I'm Luna Tang. I'm Dwayne Paris. This is Clubtech Publishing Radio. Here we talk about what's happening in the publishing industry today, share stories from publishers, and discuss how we can shape the future of publishing. Clubtech Publishing Radio is brought to you by Clubtech. Welcome to the seventh episode of Clubtech Publishing Radio. I'm Luna Tan. And I'm Dwayne Paris. It is a great pleasure for us to have Susan Altoff as our guest today. Susan Altoff is an experienced journalist and an assistant professor at Emerson College in Boston, where she teaches publishing, entrepreneurship, and women's media. She has also served as an advisor to women-led startups. Before joining Emerson in 2015, Susan worked for 22 years as a magazine editor, including six years as the editor in chief of the Boston Globe magazine. Her writing has appeared in Wired, Fortune, and other publications. Her book, Launching Wild Female: Smashing the System That Holds Women Entrepreneurs Back, published in October 2020, explores entrepreneurship's gender gap. And offers a roadmap for a more inclusive and economically successful future for all. Publishers Weekly said, "Atoff's incisive, practical guide should be required reading for any entrepreneurial women." Welcome to our show, Suzanne. Thank you, Luna and Duane. I'm I'm so pleased to be here. So first of all, we would like to know more about you. We understand that you received your master's degree from the Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism, specializing in health and science writing. You previously taught women's media courses at Tufts University. You worked as editor and then editor in chief at the Boston Global Magazine, and now you teach at Emerson College. Would you connect the dots for us and tell us what sparked your interest and passion to study the subject of entrepreneurial women and women's media? Absolutely. So I've always been interested in examining the world through a gender lens, and for a good chunk of my two-decade publishing career, I worked for women's magazines. So I have experience in women creating content for women. While I was at the Boston Globe, I was part of a team that created a free monthly women's magazine, and that product launch was what drew me to entrepreneurial work:、uh, doing market research, creating a prototype, studying the financials. I I just loved all of it. And then when I became a professor, I started advising students who were launching companies while they were still in school. It just happened that everyone I was mentoring was a woman, and they told me stories of investors and and other people not taking them seriously and belittling their ideas about their struggles to secure startup capital. I knew the statistics that show a gender gap in entrepreneurship. That in the United States, women launch fewer companies than men. That their companies overall make less revenue and employ fewer people. For example, in the United States, women-founded startups receive less than three percent of the venture capital investment, and women who are Black and Latinx receive even less. This is not unique to the United States. You see this around the world. Like so many other people, I found this data really frustrating. Yet I knew that women entrepreneurs still create amazingly successful companies. 
so I wanted to use my journalism skills to talk to women and non-binary entrepreneurs and to hear from them directly what could ease entrepreneurship's gender gap. So as part of that work, you've interviewed over 100 women and non-binary founders across many different industries across the United States. And in your work, you shared the conclusions of those research. What in that do you find most interesting and what really generated the strongest response among readers and your students? I learned that women and gender expansive people, especially those who are Black, Indigenous, and people of color, face significant systemic hurdles on the entrepreneurial path. It was shocking to me how common these hurdles are. They encounter funding disparities. I already cited the lack of venture capital investment for women entrepreneurs. There are also disparities in business loans you see the gender pay gap playing a role. Women are able to save up less money to use to launch their business because of this pay gap. There's also a racial pay gap as well as a racial wealth gap that play a role. Women and non-binary entrepreneurs experience microaggressions, their expertise questioned or their businesses dismissed as hobbies or getting slapped with the label mompreneur. They often struggle to find mentors and role models, especially ones that share their gender or race. And these entrepreneurs experience sexual harassment and assault from investors, bankers, customers, and others. But here's another thing I learned. Women and non-binary entrepreneurs are finding success. It's just that the entrepreneurial path is often harder than it should be. As I explain in my book, this has implications for all of us, giving us a weaker economy, less innovation. And now with the pandemic, which has rocked our global economy, we, you know, we're seeing job losses and other effects. And these have especially been felt by women. So we're going to need everybody working together to strengthen the economy and create new jobs. It's truly an all-hands-on-deck moment. So, for example... Researchers have estimated what it would look like if women started growth-oriented companies at the same rate as men. They've looked at this across the globe. So for the example of the United States, if this happened in the United States that women launched growth-oriented companies at the same rate as men, we'd have 15 million additional jobs in only two years. That is incredible. If we zoom into the world of book publishing, what is the current status of women authors and their works like? Yeah, so the short answer is it depends. Women authors, of course, dominate genres like romance. And we have a whole category of fiction named after us, right? Women's fiction. I say that tongue in cheek. Like many people, I find the label women's fiction problematic. We don't need the label men's fiction, right? That's just fiction. But there are troubling areas for women in publishing. I'll highlight two of them. Women are not adequately represented in the executive ranks of publishing companies, and salary surveys show that they tend to make less money than men. You can say the same things for publishing professionals of color. And here's another example. In December, I published in Fortune magazine my findings on the authorship of best-selling business books. 
out of the 200 top-selling business books in the United States in 2020, 17 were written by women. That's equal to the number of business bestsellers written by men named John. This in part reflects the ingrained narrative of who is the better business person, the better innovator. So we need more women writing business books, and then we need to publish and review and buy those books. So Susan, we need more women publishing those books, women reading those books. We also need more women starting businesses. How do you see that happening? How do you see that change taking place? It's a really interesting question to figure out why women may not be writing as many business books as men and why not as many may be published and reviewed and bought. I think confidence plays a big role in this. You know, I mean, let's face it, for for someone to say, I have a business idea and I want to write about it and the, the world is going to read about it, you need to be confident in your ideas and yourselves. I think there's a lot of women who second guess that they have a message to tell the world. Then there's also the question of the kinds of business books that publishers like to publish. Traditionally, we're seeing a lot of business books coming from people who are CEOs or who are military leaders, people who have long histories running companies, and these just tend to be white men. We also have the buying public who is drawn to certain kinds of titles over others. I think it's a situation where everyone along the line needs to play a role. And certainly we need to promote these books once they're written. Absolutely. So in terms of entrepreneurship, are entrepreneurs treated differently at all stages of business from launching, funding, operating because of their gender? Absolutely, Dwayne. I'll give one example. Researchers have shown that investors ask male entrepreneurs different questions than women entrepreneurs. Men get asked about growth and potential, very positive questions. Women get asked about risk and safety. What are they doing to be conservative? I should note that both male and female investors can ask questions in this way. We've all been socialized to view women business people a certain way. Women entrepreneurs commonly have their expertise questioned, especially if they're working in a technical field. And I want to underscore that this different treatment is amplified for women of color. Researchers call it double jeopardy. Both their gender and their race or ethnicity are different than what is considered the norm in business. Dear listeners, Professor Suzanne Althoff has been teaching publishing management and innovation, publishing entrepreneurship, and women's media at Emerson College. She has been served as an advisor to several student-led startups. I'm very proud to say that when I was a graduate student at Emerson College, Suzanne was my professor for my course Publishing Management and Innovation. I really loved your classes and enjoyed listening to you talking about emerging publishing models and business models. So what types of new publishing ventures do you see now that are promising? Thank you, Luna, and it was an honor to have you in my class and to now be connected with you again. 
I'm seeing a lot of publishing ventures that are promising and a lot of interesting work. I'm very interested in publishing ventures that are pursuing digital subscriptions, not advertising as their primary source of revenue. I'm of course referring to online magazines and digital news sites. I think we're seeing that readers will pay to read something online if it feels unique and valuable to them. My old employer, as an example, the Boston Globe, now has over 200,000 digital-only subscribers. And it added a lot of those subscribers just during the pandemic, which is remarkable. Also, I'm really excited by publishers that are aggressively going after new and non-traditional revenue streams. Some are being really experimental with events and merchandise and micropayments and other approaches. And then I also want to highlight, we're seeing some publishing ventures that use crowdfunding to find startup capital and to market their work. In the example I'd, I'd like to highlight earlier this year, Clancy Miller launched a US magazine called For the Culture about black women chefs and restaurateurs. She used a crowdfunding campaign to raise almost 40,000 US dollars to create the first issue. And that crowdfunding campaign also generated a ton of publicity. So that was a great example of using crowdfunding to the great benefit of a publisher. So you just shared some of the things that you feel are exciting about the future of publishing business. Those were examples of people who are actually doing it. For your current students, what do you hear them talking about? What are they excited about getting to in the future? Yeah, Dwayne, my students are really excited about the idea of entrepreneurial publishing projects addressing some of the flaws they see in publishing. And then they do see a fair number of flaws. For example, they see communities of readers that are underserved. They, they see marginalized writers whose stories don't get wide exposure. They see the difficulty of readers discovering new books, especially when books are bought online as opposed to brick and mortar stores. So they see these flaws, but they feel empowered that they could be the ones starting new companies that address these flaws. So the entrepreneurial mindset feels like a wonderful tool to them, which I applaud them for that approach. To be honest, Suzanne, I think I was one of your students being inspired of being entrepreneurial and a start of my own channel. And for that, I'm really appreciated for all the things you have done for your students. Oh, thank you, Luna. That's great to hear. So is there anything else you would like to share, but we haven't asked? Yes, there is one thing. I'd like to add that entrepreneurship's gender gap can be fixed, right? This is not a situation that we're just going to have to live with. And addressing it will take work on several levels. I conclude my book by collecting the best ideas, and, and there are several of them. For example, we need to improve access to startup capital and make it equitable. And one way to do that is student debt relief. In the US right now, there's a lot of talk about erasing student debt. Researchers have shown that student debt reduces the likelihood that someone will start a company. And women hold more student debt than men, 
and black people have more student debt than white people. So lifting the burden of student debt would really help unlock entrepreneurial potential. Uh, you know, all my students who are dreaming of these ventures, if they had less student debt, they would be more likely to start those publishing companies. And I'll just give one more example of, of things we can do to attack this gender gap. It would make a big difference if people supported women entrepreneurs by buying from them. So use your consumer dollars to support their businesses. And you know, ask yourself, for example, are you buying from women-owned and operated publishers? There are several groups that help shoppers find women-owned businesses. For example, there is a nonprofit based in Atlanta, Georgia, called Buy From a Black Woman that has a directory of black women-owned businesses. I've used the directory myself, and it's fantastic. Thank you for sharing, Susan. So we're at the end of the interview today, and we have a section that we call Signature Question, where we lighten it up a little bit and ask you some questions just to get to know you a little better and our okay. audience as well. So first question, what is the best way for you to get relaxed? Uh, watching Bridgerton. That's an easy answer. <laughs> <laughs> the Netflix series, yes. I confess I haven't read the book series, but I've watched and rewatched the Netflix series many times. Then how do you see the difference of Bridgerton and Downton Abbey? Oh my goodness, it's like choosing which child do you like the best. Um, they're, they're so different. I am crazy for any kind of period drama. Bridgerton feels really new and modern and different from a lot of other period pieces, and I appreciate that. I'm a big fan of Shonda Rhimes. I like her website, Shondaland. I feel like she can't do anything wrong. That sounds great. And for the second question, could you give us two people either dead or alive, that you would like to invite for dinner? Uh, that's a fun question, yes. I'd say Melinda Gates and Bill Gates, and here's why. Melinda Gates is very interested in gender equality across the globe, uh, and she's very outspoken about this, and she's also building a lot of different initiatives. Uh, she's specifically spoken out about the importance of women creating their own businesses and how this would lift up not only the women themselves, but their communities. So I appreciate her interest in, in women in business. And what's so fascinating to me about the Gates specifically is that they're rich enough to make a real impact in the things that they are interested in. So I'm looking forward to the coming decades to see what else Melinda Gates will do with women's entrepreneurship. And the third one is, is there a phrase or a saying that you hold close to you that you may be willing to share? Yes, I love this question. So my mother is German. She's from the Black Forest, um, although she's been living most of her life in the United States. So I'll offer you my favorite German phrase. It's der Apfel fällt nicht weit von Stamm. So literally what this means is the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. The English idiom would be like father, like son. But because of our focus on women today, I'll say, like mother, like daughter. Wow, that's terrific, really, really sweet. And we would love to hold this saying very close to us because we are headquartered in Berlin, Germany. And dear listeners, we would like to close today's conversation by sharing a short 
excerpt from the op-ed that Suzanne wrote for the Fortune magazine. It says, "This isn't just about being fair. Men, especially those who work for women bosses, would also benefit from reading more examples of successful women business leaders. Men need women role models just as much as women do. We need to rethink." Who we are publishing, who we are reviewing, and who we are reading. Thank you so much, Suzanne, for guesting our show today. Thank you, Luna and Dwayne. Thank you for inviting me. For more information on the book "Launching Wealth Female: Smashing the System That Holds Women Entrepreneurs Back," please visit the website suzannealtoff.com. You could also reach out to Suzanne on Twitter and LinkedIn. She will be speaking at the Virtual Women Tech Global Conference 2021, that is June 7th to 11th. She will share strategies for being a better ally for underrepresented entrepreneurs and creating a more inclusive startup scene. Get this episode delivered directly to you by subscribing to Club Tech Publishing Radio in whatever podcasting app you are listening to right now. Or you can have this podcast delivered to your inbox by subscribing to Clubtech's newsletter. You can get the link from the episode notes. It's easy and free to sign up. This episode was made possible by an international collaboration. Luna Tang and Dwayne Paris are co-hosts and producers. Nella Clubtech is publishing director. Marianne Belling, marketing coordinator. Bjorn Brewer, music designer. Angie Heinrich, art designer. Stephen Kaufer, editorial reviewer; George Logan, outreach liaison; and Mark Wintle, technology support. We would like to hear from you. Tell us what's going on with your projects or business on Twitter, LinkedIn, or just email us at podcast at clubtech.com. This is Clubtech Publishing Radio. I'm Dwayne Paris. I'm Luna Tang. Thank you so much for listening.